Yeah, let's go ahead and stand, page 296. 296. Shout will rise across the mountain. Step Jesus comes in the cloud. We'll leave all pain and carrying in his glory. Step Jesus comes in the cloud. When Jesus comes, we go bright. We'll leave the lonely sheds of time. Oh, sorrow. Strife will cease, there be eternal peace when Jesus comes in the cloud. Upon the hills, upon our feet shall labor. Oh, when Jesus comes in the cloud, when Jesus comes, we go bright. We'll leave the Lord in safety. the choir up tonight let's sing a little bit choir y'all come on sister play for a little while we'll ask our ushers to come down we'll get off for tonight welcome to the murrayville baptist church it's good to be in church tonight thank the lord y'all come on choir he's on up here let's sing tonight amen thank god sing it out now come on up Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's good to be in church, ain't it, tonight? Thank God. I thank the Lord for the opportunity to be here. It's wonderful. I want to welcome every single one of our visitors. Got some faces around, hadn't seen in a while, and others I've never seen. But you're welcome here, and we thank the Lord for it. I'm glad to be saved. The, the, the choir was not ready at all to sing, just for those that don't know. So this was dropped on the choir leader and the choir. We got a good, good bunch of folk up here, don't we? Let's sing out tonight. Amen. I'm glad I'm saved. Glad you're here. 
Glad to be in the house of God. I hope you come expecting something from the Lord. Hope you come needing something. He can give it to you tonight. We'll give it to you. And I thank the Lord for the grace of God tonight. We're going to give you an opportunity to worship the Lord through giving. And uh, let's look to the Lord. Dad, if you would, stand and pray over the offering tonight in the service. Ask the Lord to help us in it going forward. In season, now season for preachers, not for music directors. <laughs> but we're gonna try this. Go ahead.
fellowship with your neighbor tonight. Turn around and fellowship for a little while. God's good tonight, too. been good say amen. amen matter of fact it's what and who he is just good you can be seated tonight and we're so thankful to have the davis family back with us it's a joy and a blessing and again just uh make sure you stay away from jonathan he knows way too much about me that's all right that'll be all right we'll clean up on aisle five i uh, got a little water deal here it'll be all right we'll get some towels be okay all right well, I tell you what, somebody grab us a towel or two. If you don't mind, we'll, we'll pick it up. Anyway, good to be in the house of God. Thank the Lord again for his grace. Oh, no, we, we dropped some, brother, right here. No, it's okay. Brother Barry was handing me more water. It's the excess of water we're having a problem with tonight. No, thank the Lord. We had a wonderful service this morning. Great time together. Thank the Lord for that. I want to thank the Lord for the good report from the jail. We said we had three professed this morning. Is that right, Brother Tim? Thank God. I love what Brother Tim says. How many of them got saved? As many have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Turned to him in repentance and faith. That's exactly right. How do you know you're saved tonight? Because you look to him in repentance and faith. And you ain't quit repenting. Thank God. How do you know you believed on Christ? You ain't quit believing on him. Thank God. I'm glad I'm saved. He started a good work in you. And that work that he has begun, he will perform it to the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's him that worketh in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Uh, you wouldn't have wanted to come to church tonight if he wasn't inside of you wanting it. Amen. You wouldn't have wanted to sing tonight if he wasn't inside of you wanting to sing. Thank God. I'm glad to be able to worship tonight. We do have a cleanup operation going on over here. So whenever they've got that figured out, we're going to go on. Thank the Lord tonight. It'll be all right. Uh, it's good. It was water, ain't it? Uh, I didn't have coffee in my cup, thank the Lord. All right, no, we're glad to be here. Looking forward to hearing from Hayden in a little while. Hayden, I was thinking about it on the way to church tonight. He's the same age that I was when God called me to preach, 15 years old. And uh, the Lord started a work in me. So y'all pray, pray for him tonight. We're going to let them sing here and have a good time. Glad to have my mom and dad in service. Now we've got Charlotte getting started over here. That'll be all right, baby. Thank you so much. All right, y'all sing. We'll look to the Lord and worship. Look to Him and thank the Lord for what He's doing. Amen.
He was born in a stable in a borrowed manger. He borrowed a lunch and fed a lot of strangers. He borrowed a colt to ride into town on. He borrowed a tomb, but he wouldn't need it long. And the only thing he bought was me. When he shed his blood on Calvary, now redeemed by his blood for eternity, oh, the only thing he bought was me. On the auction block of sin, this world had turned me down. And Satan had told me, you're nothing but hellbound. You're never gonna win, your soul's forever lost. But Jesus paid it all on that old rugged cross. And the only thing he bought was me. When he shed his blood on Calvary, now redeemed by his blood for eternity, oh, the only thing he bought was me. Forgiven and forgotten, my sins are all gone. I've been bought by the blood of the one who owns it all. And the only thing he bought was me when he shed his blood. Redeemed by His blood for eternity, oh, the only thing He bought was me. Glad to be saved tonight, amen. Glad to be back in church and uh, glad to be saved to the uttermost. You don't have to worry tonight about uh, losing it. You don't have to worry about uh, somebody taking it away from you. And uh, not like Charlotte's worried about somebody taking it away from her mom. That's not what we don't have to worry about that happening with us in the Lord.
so long you were right when I was wrong and I can't repay all the love you've given me cause you were my friend when no one cared I was alone but you were there Lord you're the best thing that's ever happened to me I owe it all to you, Lord. All I have is yours, Lord. Take my life and make me what you have me be. Cause I'm your child and you're my father. I'm the clay and you're the potter. Lord, you're the best thing that's ever happened. To me. Borrow treasures, borrow dreams, all life's joys you've given me. When trouble comes, you're always there to make me smile. And come what may, thy will be done. I love you, Jesus, God's only Son. Lord, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. For every time that I have failed, each time I stumbled and sin prevailed, will you pick me up and set my feet on solid ground? Why you should love me, I don't know. I'll keep telling as I go 
Lord, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I owe it all to you, Lord. All I have is yours, Lord. Take my life and make me what you had me be. I'm your child and you're my father. I'm the clay and you're the potter. Lord, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. Sing that chorus with us. And I owe it all to you, Lord. All I have is yours, Lord. Take my life and make me one you've had me be because I'm your child and you're my father I'm the clay and you're the potter Lord you're the best thing that's ever happened to me Amen. Well, if you know him, if he's ever touched you, you know he's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. There's not even a close second. There's not even a close second. And uh, matter of fact, we say it often, but the Lord Jesus Christ is not just a part of the Christian's life. He is the entirety of the Christian's life. He's not a mascot for us tonight, church. Jesus Christ is the whole message, every bit of it. Thank God. I'm glad I'm saved tonight. Appreciate the Lord putting us in this good way. All right. We got Hayden over here tonight. Excited about hearing what the Lord's put on his heart. Uh, the Lord's been using him, and uh, matter of fact, he's preaching, going to be preaching at Crossroads pretty soon. You and Brother Kenny's getting up about that, ain't you? That's what your pastor told me. You may not know that, but you, your pastor's going to use you for too long. Looking forward to him. I appreciate my buddy tonight, and uh, this preacher. And so y'all hear him, and hear him well, smile at him, ag him on. If he says something that's in the Bible, say amen. If he says something that's outside of the Bible, well, just ag him on a little bit anyway. And uh, no, it's good to be here tonight, and y'all pray for him. Glad you're here, my fella. You got your mic on? Got it right here? All right. Wire up. You got it? Amen. Y'all pray for Hayden tonight. Thanks, it's on. Okay, there we go. All right. Well, good evening. Um, it's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord this evening. Uh, I uh, I love this church. You guys are amazing. Like, really, honestly, you guys are so kind to everyone, and um, I just thank you guys for that because uh, it's just really, it really is a blessing, and um, it's really awesome. And um, today we're going to be in uh, Mark chapter number four, and we're going to be uh, bouncing around to different passages, but. That's our number one, and um, so, um, yeah, so I'll give y'all time to open up to that. All right, so Mark chapter number four, verse one says, and he began again to teach by the seaside, and there he was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the, by the sea and on the land. 
and he taught them many things by parables. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and some fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of the earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. The other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. Now, uh, look in verse number four, says, there was a great multitude. So, Jesus was such a powerful speaker that he would gather hundreds and thousands of people to come hear him. He was that much of an imp- this was a time where cell phones weren't a thing. There was no social media. This was, these were real people that came and heard him. And uh, he, I believe that he was that much of an influential person. Every time that he spake, people would just come to hear him. And they would sit there for hours. They would sit there for hours and listen to what he had to say. So um, I uh, titled this message, The Seed, the Soil, and the Sower. And what the importance of all three are. And um, So the seed represents his message to us. God's message to us is the good news. And the seed represents his message and what God is trying to communicate to us. Um, I feel as if uh, God, whenever God speaks to us, he speaks in many ways and many illustrations. So parables are one way. And I love parables because I feel like they, uh, they, they come, it comes down to our level and we really understand how things work in the parables. So... Um, you know, I feel like, yeah. So um, the message is important because without the seed, it would never affect the soil, which is us. Without the seed, the soil can never do and reach its full potential. And the full potential is that we tell others about Jesus. And um, it's not just a physical message. These parables are not just, it's a physical message, but the actual message is spiritual. So what this is talking about, what this passage is talking about is the four different kinds of seeds. And um, if we're not open to the seed, we will never receive it. And if we don't receive the seed, then God will throw us out by the wayside. We were never planted. And if we're never planted, then we never reach our full potential in Christ. And if we never reach our full potential, then God is very disappointed. And he wants us all to reach our full potential in him. He does. And um, it's highlighting how we respond to the message. This passage is it's how we highlight it. So we have to understand the message. If we don't understand the message, then we may get thrown into the wrong type of soil. And um, we have to have the attitude to receive the message into our hearts. If you came in today and you're like, oh, it's a Sunday night service. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. You have the wrong attitude. And I feel like a lot of people, we, we come in and there's different stereotypes. Oh, this is it's just a Sunday service. You know, it's not that big of a deal. But God wants us to have the right attitude. If we go into every Sunday and we have the right attitude, imagine how much done we could get as a church. And imagine how much we can complete as a church. And I feel if everybody had, and every, if everyone was on the same page, everyone had a good attitude about coming in and hearing about the Spirit of the Lord, I feel like the church would be so much different than it is today. There's so many stereotypes we have as a church, as a one body that we have together. And, you know, some people on the outside world, uh, they think that we're a cult and because they see the bad side of Christianity. 
They never see the good side of Christianity. They see, uh, they see hypocritical Christians. I feel like everybody should, uh, feel like everybody needs to spread the gospel and what it truly is because I feel like they see the bad side. And uh, the seed needs to be planted into our hearts so it can grow. If the seed is never planted into our hearts, then it never can grow. It never can reach its full potential, like I said. If it's thrown out by the wayside, then it can never, ever reach its potential. And um, next is the soil. The soil is talking about us as a church, the soil. His message is the, is the seed. But us as a church, as a body, is the soil. So we have, to be, we have to have the ability to receive the seed into our hearts. You see, the seed could never be planted if it wasn't for the soil. So to have true growth in our relationship with the Lord, true growth means putting aside earthly things. And I feel like everyone has these earthly things that we grasp onto. And we don't, it lets us distract us from our Bibles, our truly meditating. I mean, there are some days where, you know, it's just, it's a lot. You know, we get thrown, we get thrown around in our day-to-day. We're like, oh, well, you know, I'll read my Bible tomorrow. And then we don't read our Bible tomorrow. We don't really, we, we, we like to make time, but when it comes time, we're never like truly in his word. Sometimes we'll read the Bible and it's like we're reading random letters. We're not really like nurturing our bodies like a seed does. And uh, we often are scared to be, uh, to, you know, really uh, tell other people. And um, true growth means putting aside earthly things. And um, if us as soul never allow for the seed to be planted, we'll never grow. Like I said in my first point. The sower the sower represents anyone who spreads and shares the word. We need to try our best to be a sower. If we're not a sower, if we don't throw the seeds out into the garden, then the plants will never grow, which is other believers. You know, you may be in a friend group or you may have family even. You know, that's the hardest is family because you don't want to get into arguments with them about it. You know, we have to really like think deeply into it and think if I don't tell these people, I may be the only chance that they have go to heaven and if you think of it like that way you know I feel like it would be much easier I think we all think this if it would be much easier if everyone we told if we told them about the gospel they would just immediately accept Christ imagine how much easier that would be but no God gives us free will and if they choose not to then you know you just keep telling them about it and um we don't need to be ashamed to be a sower you know uh, like I said it's it's really scary because you think because of their social norms and there's different things. And you think, oh, they're not going to like me. But we're talking about eternity here. If we, imagine how much we could regret if we don't tell that one person about Jesus. It's this, their entire eternity. And uh, you never know what impact you can make. You know, there's so many stories about just little things, just telling people that you go to church, you know. Then maybe they go home and they do research about it. And, you know, maybe they go to church. You never know, even telling them that you go to church. And, uh, so the first point is the wayside. Uh, Luke 16, 19 through 31, you don't have to open your Bibles there, but um, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate, full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes 
being in torments, and seeth Abraham from far off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. That's how hot hell is. He wanted a tip of water just so he could have a little bit, just a temporary thirst. And um, verse 25 says, but Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. And now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither they can pass to us that would come from hence. So heaven and hell, there is a great divide and you can't cross it. And Abraham was trying to communicate this to, um, to the rich man. And the rich man, let's see in verse number 27. And he said, I pray thee therefore, father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, father Abraham, but if one of them went unto from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. So what this passage is talking about, you know, um, he says, go to my five brothers. So he has five brothers on earth that haven't died yet. And hell is so bad that he wanted his brothers to be saved so they would not even come near hell. He wanted them to go straight to heaven so they wouldn't have to go under this. And uh, I feel like if all of us were to have the same mindset that if we don't tell people now, they're going to regret it. And they're going to say, well, I, I had friends that were Christians. They never told me. They never told me about Jesus. Why did they not tell me? And now I'm here forever in hell. And um, some of the, now we're going to be talking about the wayside. Some of the Seeds were thrown into the wayside with no soil. Some of them were thrown out of the garden. You may be here tonight, and you're not even planted in soil. You may not be a Christian. And um, the fowls came and ate them up. They were on the surface. They weren't, on, uh, they weren't really deeply rooted in the soil. If the, if the enemy sees that you're vulnerable, he will do the exact same thing to you. It says the fowls of the air came and plucked them up. He'll see that you're not, you don't have true happiness, and he'll come and pluck you up. And, um, you know, um, Deion Sanders, he's a football player, baseball player. He, um, he had all this money, and he had all the fame, and he said that he, was never, he never truly had happiness. And he, was, he never had true happiness. And he said once he came to the realization that God is the only true happiness, his life was so much better. And I feel like if all of us today would stop with, uh, you know, coveting earthly riches, that we would all have true happiness in uh, Jesus. And we have to be in soil if we want to grow. We have to be rooted in soil if we even want to grow. Um, if we're off in the wayside and we're not planted, then we can't grow. We can't grow at all in him. And uh, being on the wayside means no connection with Jesus Christ. You, there is no, without a connection with Jesus Christ, you don't have a fellowship with him. And if you don't have a fellowship with him, then there is no true connection. And uh, being separated from Christ means no fellowship, no reading your Bible, no praying to him. We all get caught up with things, and we just need to be rooted in him. And next we're talking about the stony soil. It was very shallow. The sun says that the sun scorched them. 
The sun is a very usual occurrence. It happens every day. And it says everyday things can be harsh. So if you're planted deep, then the sun can't sort you. If you're on the very stony at the very top of the soil, then the sun can scorch you. You can get burnt out. So the stony soil is talking about people that get on spiritual highs. They think, oh, this is what Christianity is about. And then the trials come. And then they get scorched. They get burnt out. And I feel like us as Christians, we get burnt out very easily. We'll be on a spiritual high, and then the trials come, and then we go way down. And we don't, we fall out. There's lots of fallouts in the Christian life. The Christian life isn't about spiritual highs. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is trials that bring us closer to Jesus. Once we realize that we can't do this on our own, that's when God comes and picks us up and takes us. And that's when we know that true happiness comes from God. And, um, you know, uh, they have temporary excitement in spiritual teachings. They'll hear a pastor preach, and for one day they'll be like, oh, this is awesome, you know, this is, I'm going to do this, this, this. And then the day comes, and then they don't do it. You don't read your Bible. You don't pray. You don't, you know, you don't do all of the things that a Christian should do. And you get scorched. We get scorched by the sun. And um, when they're faced with a challenge in their faith, they're not rooted deeply, so they get scorched. Sometimes we have spiritual highs, and when they stop, we give up. We give up. We say, God, if the Christian life isn't about this, then I don't want to do it. And uh, uh, they don't care enough about it to go through spiritual lows. The spiritual lows are what teaches us to hold on to God and to hold near to him. And... Uh, when we face challenges, that's what teaches us to take a root in God. It's what takes to go under the soil and for us to sprout out into a plant. And, um, but if we're in the stony soil, we get scorched up by the sun and we dry out. We get dry in our spiritual life. And uh, don't just get on a spiritual high and just stop trying. Because that's, once you're in a spiritual load, that's when God comes and picks you up. And he says, I can do this for you. And that's whenever you comfort. Just don't give up on your faith. The next is the thorny soil. The thorny soil represents materialism. Materialism is a very dangerous thing. It's, it's idolatry. Materialism is idolatry. So Mark 10, 17 through 24, you don't have to turn there, but it says, and when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Yeah. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is no one good, there was no one good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not fare false witnesses, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all of these I have observed from my youth. Then yeah. Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, but thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up a cross and follow me. And it says that he was sad at that say, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they have these riches to enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again, and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? 
It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. But they were astonished out of the measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looketh upon them and saith, When men it is impossible, but with God for all things with God are possible. All things with God are possible. So what this passage is talking about is there's a rich man. The rich man identified with the thorny soil. He identified with the world. Once we identify with the good soil, the thorns go away. And he talks, he identified with the thorny soil. It's not the money that's a sin. It's the love of the money. And it's not even talking about just money here. Right here, parables, they are, it's a metaphor. So what it's talking about here is anything that you put above God. The rich man put his money above God. He said, I have great things. He had many great things. And you know what? The rich man, one day he died, and he is just like the rich man in the last passage. He looked up to God and said, just one tip of water. Because he never really put God above his, material, or above his materials. And um, the good Samaritan gave his money for another person. The good Samaritan, uh, that's in another passage. That's also a parable. You know, uh, there were three other people that passed him by, passed the, the beggar on the side of the road. Or not the beggar, the, uh, the dude who was dying. And, um, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and during that, he gave a good testimony to the man. And um, we have to have a good testimony to other people. The good Samaritan had a good testimony. And, um, he, you know, he picked him up. He gave his own money to have a testimony to the man. He was a Samaritan. The Samaritans were... Back then, they had the reputation of not being friendly people and not being kind people. So the Good Samaritan, he took him up, he took him to the nearest hotel, and he gave his money. He said, whatever, here's, this covers whatever, uh, whatever he needs to get better. And it says, the other people that passed him did not give a good testimony. They were the people that were expected to help the Samaritan, but they, or the man on the ground. And they didn't. They passed by him because it was, a, it was on the Sabbath and they weren't supposed to touch uh, people on the Sabbath. And it says, uh, we sometimes get blinded by worldly norms and standards that we forget what the Bible says about them. There's so many worldly norms, just like how on the Sabbath you weren't supposed to, um, you weren't supposed to help people on the Sabbath. And, um, you know, sometimes in the world there's norms like... Um, different things on social media people tell you, and all the other things that it's whatever God says doesn't ever change. There's not a timer on whatever God says. Everything that's in this book, does, it's, there's not a timer on it. It's always true. Whatever's in the Bible always stays the same, no matter what anyone tells you. And uh, the, uh, nothing God ever says has a timer on it. We can easily get overshadowed by doubts and fears and anxiety, and it causes us to turn to worldly things. But that's when we need to turn to God. Whenever we, get, whenever we want to turn to worldly things and say, this can give me true happiness, we need to open our Bibles and pray and talk to God and say, I can't find true happiness. I need to find true happiness in you. The day that you do that will be the happiest day of your life. I promise you. And the, re the day you realize that, is, you will be super happy. And it says, uh, but when we turn to worldly things, it never actually causes true happiness. We never get true happiness from being in the world, ever, ever. I promise you. It may be temporary, but I promise you, it will not last. The only true happiness that lasts 
is whatever you find in God. And it's, uh, the true happiness comes from God and his word and having in a relationship. When we surrender to him, when we say, God, I can't find true happiness, that's when we surrender to him and we find the true happiness. Now we talk about the good ground. The good ground is soft. It's soft to the Holy Spirit. It receives whatever the message is from God. It receives it. And the ground has been fed. It's been nurtured. It reads its Bible. You, like, if you identify with the good ground, you read your Bible. You take in from meditating in God. It says God's desire for our life is to be fruitful. If we bear fruit for him, it says there were 60-fold and 100-fold. They bear good fruit. And God wants us to bear good fruit. If we don't bear fruit, then other people can't see the good works in your life, and they won't turn to Jesus. If you don't have a good testimony, if you have a bad testimony and you're a Christian, then people will look at you and be, I don't want to be identified with that. I don't want to be identified with that because, uh, because I want to stay with the worldly things of this world. I don't want to be associated with that Christianity because it looks bad because so-and-so has this look on him, and he's a Christian, I don't want to be identified with that. If we don't tell others about Jesus, then they can't attain the good soil. If we don't have a good testimony, then we can't attain it. Surround yourself with other believers because the people that you hang out with are the people that you may turn into. And, you know, I feel like, you know, as a teenager, it's hard because some people are just, you know, some people are bad testimonies. And the more you hang around them, the more you become like them. And sometimes you have to be careful and you have to, you have to still have a good testimony when hanging around them because, you know, you may turn into that. And that would, that's not good soil. We can, identify, we can identify ourselves with the good soil by embracing growth. We can embrace the growth. We can still grow with Jesus and we can still grow. It says the good soil does not mean perfect soil. God doesn't call us to be perfect. He knows that we can't be perfect. From the moment you were born, you had sin because of the fall of man. You will never be perfect, but you can do good for God. And um, the question is, what soil do you identify with? Maybe God was speaking to you during this message and saying, I identify with that soil. And um, whether it's the thorny soil, the stony soil, maybe you're out in the wayside. Maybe you're not even in the soil. Then I call you, or uh, if you want to, you can come down to the altar and um, pray about that whenever the message is done. And um, or do you identify with the good ground? Do you say, oh, I'm good. But even if you are in the good ground, there's still some room to grow. So, um, so I'm done. What do you think about the word of God tonight? What do you think about the word? I not, not about my opinion, how I say it, what I say. You may not like how I spit and slobber. You may not like how another man doesn't. What do you think about the word of God? What do you think about Christ, who is the word? What do you think about thus saith the word of God? Is there a resistance? Is there a pushback? Is there stones and rocks of hardness inside of you that when the word of God comes your way? Not for me. Not for me. I've literally been in counsel from time to time 
And, and, and as you give the word of God, oh, it's almost as though, it's, it's almost like those Jews, but they were religious, weren't they? Those Pharisees. Pilate said, what, what do I do with this man? Who is called, with Jesus, who is called the Christ. They said, we will not have this man to rule over us. That's the response of rocky soul. We'll not have, we'll not have him, we'll not have the word, we'll not have the gospel, we'll not have Jesus, we'll not have God. And definitely, we ain't going to hear nothing that them folks are saying down there at the church. We ain't going to hear mom and dad. Hey, what do you think about the word? God is there any desire in you to submit to it I told you when I came here I don't desire to be a, a church where we preach preference or tradition or my opinion we want to attempt to preach the word of God what it says how it says it where it says it when it says it and leave you with it Leave me with it. It's fine if there's resistance to me. That's okay. But harden not your heart to the Word of God. I'm not very attractive to look at. My voice isn't the nicest. And I doubt any other man in here would say the same about his. Oh, and I've heard men with great eloquence get up. Hardness to the Word of God. Hardness to the Gospel. We will not have this Word. We will not have this man. We will not bear long. Listen. Listen, church. Sinner friend tonight, you may have stumbled in here and you've been so hard to the Gospel. Hard to the Word of God. But aren't you grateful for the hammer? For the sword. If you're here saved tonight, one night, one day, somewhere, the hammer of the Word of God fell on your soul. That plow, the gospel plow, somewhere it came and turned over the soil in your heart. Somewhere, the sword, that two-edged sword that pierces and divides asunder the soul, the, the soul of your heart. It went in and it cut, and when it came out, it cut. You ever been cut on by the Word of God? In other places, the Word of God is referred to as a mirror. It lets you see who you are. What you are. I say we take another look tonight. Mm. Get honest. What we heard tonight was the word in the form of a seed. Don't take but one kernel to get a pretty good amount of corn. 
God. I wonder, is your heart rocky? Have you rejected? As the sun came and scorched up that seed off your heart? Shallowness? Is there so much choking out the Word of God, so many thorns in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit? Is there so much choking it out that the, that, that the seed has no room to yield? I don't have time for God. I don't have time for the church. I don't have time for the Word. I don't have time for the Spirit. I got something to do. I got places to go. The most important business that you'll ever act on is the business of what you do with the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. Amen. The Lord's been dealing with lost folk around Merville. I'm convinced of it. The Lord's been dealing with the lost. I believe the Lord's been dealing with His people. I don't know about you, but the Lord's certainly been dealing with me. I believe it'd be good tonight, just for a moment, for Merville Baptist Church and whoever else would like to gather, to gather around these altars tonight and say, Lord, open my heart to your word. I know it'd be good, sinner, if God's dealt with your heart and drew you to himself, for you to open up and say, Lord, whatever you want. That's really what it comes down to tonight. God, whatever you want. No reservation between you and what the Lord wants to do in our heart. See, because that, that's ultimately what it, we, we'll say, Lord, we'll let you do this in us. We'll let you do this in us. We'll let you do that and we'll let you do that. But God, right here, this is protected ground. This is my ground. No seed in here. We'll let you do this. We'll let you do this. We'll let you do this. If God, the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, would draw our hearts to say, Lord, whatever you want to do in me, have your word. I promise you, I promise you, it'll yield fruit, the word of God in your life. I promise you, good fruit that pleases the Master. Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Marvel, let's gather around these altars tonight and ask the Lord to open our heart to His Word.